0: It's Friday, June 24th, 2022. I'm Jackson Bird. Today, we've got a bit of an unintentionally body horror-themed episode today. First, the facts on how risky public bathrooms actually are when it comes to germs and disease transmission. Plus, the secret lives of skin mites, a bevy of new findings on the microscopic creatures that live on our faces, and as a chaser, some animal ASMR. Here's some cool stuff for your ride home. Every year at my high school, the freshman biology classes would be assigned an experiment which began with them being unleashed all over campus, armed with cotton swabs and microscope slides, in a competition to find the surface of the school with the most germs on it. There would always be a beeline for the restrooms, with everyone's initial thought being that the grossest, most germ-concentrated surface must be the toilet seat. Others who had listened when upperclassmen recounted their own experiences would go for the bottom of their shoes, the surface that perennially ended up being the actual winner of the germiest surface in the school. These days, it might be someone's phone, but the point remains that it was not the toilet seat. After all, that's one of the few surfaces that actually got regularly cleaned. And I try to remind myself of that whenever I get grossed out in public restrooms. But especially as we live through a pandemic, it's understandable that some of us have reevaluated our risk assessments when it comes to public toilets. I mean, just how sanitary are they? The New York Times tackled this question from a reader earlier this week, drawing in particular on a recent study focused on the transmission of COVID-19 and other infectious diseases in public restrooms. Now, the first note the study lays out in terms of risk is that it will always depend on certain factors beyond your control, including how well-ventilated the restroom is and how often it's cleaned. The biggest culprit in the public bathroom, though, is the act of flushing, especially because rarely do public restrooms have toilet seat lids, or would people consistently use them even if they did. Quoting the Times, Plenty of research has documented the presence of pathogenic microbes on toilets and other surfaces in public restrooms. Most of these pathogens find their way onto bathroom surfaces via the toilet bowl, because feces and even urine can contain many bacteria and viruses, says Charles Gerba, a professor of microbiology at the University of Arizona. Flushing the toilet then disperses the tiny microbes in an aerosolized plume, which can reach five feet into the air and remain suspended for an hour or more before for settling on surrounding surfaces, studies show all public toilets really get contaminated to some degree just because of the flushing action of the toilet. Dr. Gerba said. End quote. So, flushing is spreading pathogens to other surfaces you may touch and into the air, but sitting on the toilet is probably not going to make you sick. Even if you do pick up a bit of virus or bacteria that got spread there, either directly or through the dreaded fecal plume, most of those are not, as Dr. Gerba calls them, butt borne diseases. And Dr. Park from the University of California, San Francisco also added that the risk of contracting an STI from a toilet seat is very low. Quoting the Times, I'm not gonna say it's absolutely impossible, but it's so unlikely, she said. Pathogens like gonorrhea and chlamydia don't survive for long on surfaces, and they need to get into the penis or vagina to cause infection, she said. When we're sitting on the toilet seat, it's just not in the right vicinity. End quote. Now, that said, MRSA, a tough-to-treat skin infection, has been detected on public toilet seats, and you could theoretically catch it from an infected person sitting on the toilet seat exactly where their infection is and then you sitting on the toilet after them. We don't have the numbers on how much that happens, though, and doing something like putting down some toilet paper or a seat cover to sit on top of or wiping the seat with a disinfecting wipe would minimize your risk. Also, as the Times points out, quote, MRSA has been found on many other public surfaces, including on ATM keypads, elevator buttons, locker handles, and beach sand, as well as in buses and hotel rooms, so this risk isn't unique to toilets." End quote. And if that's not disheartening enough, Dr. Erica Donner, co-author of the paper I mentioned at the top, adds that toilet seat covers could also be contaminated from those toilet plumes, so even they aren't foolproof. She says the hover method is definitely effective in preventing the catching of disease for you, but she emphasizes that if you have bad aim and don't clean up after yourself, you're just going to increase the risk of infection for everyone else. The entire bathroom is basically a horror show. Dr. Donner says says that air dryers can spread germs from insufficiently washed wet hands or open trash cans as far as 10 feet. So if they didn't already get it from the toilet plume, literally any surface in the bathroom could be contaminated. Think about that the next time you consider putting your bag on the floor or resting your phone on top of the toilet roll dispenser. The floor in particular could have actually been the winner of my high school's germiest surface award. Dr. Gerba says it's one of the dirtiest surfaces in the bathroom, which I believe It's not only getting the toilet plume and any fluids that miss the toilet, but also all the germs people are bringing in on the bottoms of their shoes. Plus, despite America's explanation for our completely exhibitionist bathroom stalls, when every other country leans towards floor-to-ceiling doors for actual privacy, as being that it makes it easier for floors in the bathroom to get mopped, most bathroom floors are not getting mopped nearly as often as they should be, or in some cases nearly as often as the toilet seats are being cleaned. So yeah, the floor is pretty gross. The whole affair is pretty gross. So protect yourself by washing your hands as close to the CDC recommended 20 seconds scrubbing as possible, and for good measure, Dr. Gerba recommends additionally using a hand sanitizer on the way out. And Dr. Donner adds, for places that actually have them, you can protect others by putting the toilet lid down before you flush. But at the end of the day, we can all only try so much, and really, so much of the public world and our own homes, beyond the bathrooms, are filled with germs. It can always be good to know risk mitigation strategies, but sometimes you just have to put it out of your mind and live your life. If anything, this recent study reminds us that a lot of our biggest fears about disease transmission, like catching something from just sitting on a toilet, seat are actually pretty unlikely. So that's good news, right? Even when you think you are completely and utterly alone, you're not. The vast majority of us are never alone. Because we have thousands upon thousands of microscopic skin mites covering our faces and living inside our hair follicles. They're called Demodex folliculorum, and they can only live on human skin. They're about a third of a millimeter long, with a sort of tardigrade-looking bodies, and while scientists have been aware of their existence since 1842, we still know very little about them. Until now. Researchers at the University of Reading recently sequenced the entire genome of D. folliculorum, and while there are still some questions, we have a lot more answers than before. But first, backing up to some of the basics we knew before. Quoting Gizmodo, D. folliculorum is actually one of two mite species that call us home, along with Demodex brevis. Both species are arachnids, more closely related to ticks than spiders. But D. folliculorum mites are the ones that usually reside, and mate, on our faces. These stubby, worm-shaped critters live for two to three weeks, all the while embedded in our pores, clinging to our hair follicles and primarily feeding off our sebum, the oily substance provided by our body to protect and moisturize the skin end quotes. And from an older Vox piece, quote, during the day, the animals stay hidden in your follicles, feeding on oils naturally secreted by your glands. At night, they use their stubby legs to climb to the surface and to find mates. Nearly all adults carry these mites, but children usually don't, and only about 70% of 18-year-olds do. It's still unclear how we initially pick them up. Many scientists believe we somehow acquire them from our parents. ronachoa a mite scientist at the the U.S. Department of Agriculture, thinks they first latch onto us when we breastfeed as babies, while others hypothesize that we acquire them from sexual partners, end quote. D. Folliculorum's existence is so closely entwined with our own that the new DNA sequencing revealed several ways that they differ from other mite species. For one, because they don't have any natural predators and therefore no competition, their genome has been pared down to the essentials. Their legs have just three single-cell muscles. Their bodies, the minimum number of proteins for survival. They don't have a gene protecting them against UV radiation, which explains why they only go out at night. They also can't produce melatonin, and they might siphon it off of us, helping them with mobility and reproduction. The latter of which they do a lot of, but since there's little opportunity to expand their genetic diversity, some think they could be slowly marching towards an evolutionary dead end, says Science Alert. And quoting the BBC, "...the study shows that as their genetic diversity gets smaller, their dependence on us increases, meaning they are at risk of possible extinction." For example, the research expected to find the gene which wakes up the mites and sends them to sleep, but it wasn't present. Instead, the organism detects the lower amount of hormones secreted in the skin whilst we're asleep, and it's this which triggers them to wake up. These adaptations are causing the issue. The more they adapt to us, the more genes they lose, and eventually they'll become entirely dependent on us for their existence. Because of this dependence, they won't be able to leave our pores and find a new mate to couple up with. End quote. Co-author Dr. Alejandra Perotti told the BBC that mites are associated with healthy skin, and without them, we could experience problems with our skin. But others think that having more mites on your face could be tied to skin conditions. And the new research sheds some light here in a roundabout way by proving the existence of the mites' buttholes. Quoting again from Gizmodo, Some researchers have argued that these mites lack an anus. Without an anus, the theory goes, their fecal waste simply accumulates inside them over their brief lifespan and is only released all at once when they die. Some have also speculated that an overabundance of mites can cause a skin condition known as rosacea, perhaps due to the bacteria that's released from this explosion of poop upon a mite's death. Other research has cast doubt on that claim, though, and the researchers behind the new study say they've confirmed that mites do indeed have an anus. Peroni notes that the larger presence of mites in people who develop rosacea and other skin conditions may very well be a consequence of the condition and not its actual cause and if mites aren't leaving huge amounts of poop behind when they die, then there's a less clear rationale as to how they would make us sick in the first place Other studies, for what it's worth, have continued to find a link between the mites and rosacea, though they may only be one of many triggers involved, end quote. And if this whole segment has you picking at your face and wanting to go wash all these skin mites off of you, well bad news, you can't. They live too deeply in our pores to be removed. But Dr. Perotti says we should be grateful for these microscopic roommates. She told the BBC, quote, they're very tiny and cute. There's nothing to be concerned about having them. They clean our pores and keep them flat. Don't be worried. Be happy you have a small microscopic creature living with you. They don't do any damage. End quote. So, because the world's on fire and everything is kind of super stressful right now, I thought I would share some adorable animal videos for you to watch as a comforting break whenever you need it in the coming days. These particular videos are from a new-to-me genre called Animal ASMR. It's your standard ASMR videos, but of animals scurrying around and usually eating. The ASMR audio admittedly is not for everyone, but the high-resolution videos of of cute animals nibbling on snacks is pretty solid distraction fare. So link to enjoy that is in the show notes. I hope you all take care of yourselves this weekend. This show was produced by Ride Home Media. I'm Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again on Monday. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at, like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers,